When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Warning. You're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, everybody, welcome to Battleground Live. Holy smokes, this week has been completely insane. Uh, Yesterday was the the GOP debate, basically a debate for potential vice presidential candidates. But truth be told, I don't think President Trump is picking any of those people uh, to be his vice presidential candidate. In fact, I've been hearing, I've been hearing, and this you heard it here first, uh, but I've been hearing rumblings of maybe Trump picking somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, uh, which would be interesting. Now, again, I've not heard from anybody on the Trump team. OK, I've not I've not heard from the Trump family or anything like that. This is, But I have heard rumblings of people talking about, oh, Trump should pick Tulsi. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, just because Tulsi is a Democrat and even though she changed her party to independent. And hey, look, I mean, as a Republican, I think it's it's part of our job to sway Democrats and convince them to come on board and join our movement. So I, I'm not judging her for being a Democrat in the, in the past, as many of you all know. I come from half of a, half, my half my family are blue collar union Democrats. So I make no qualms about it, but she does have some crazy positions. Um, so, but anyway, that's just stuff that I'm hearing about. Um, as usual, if you're watching the show right from the top, or you're watching it on Red Voice Media, make sure you come over here and subscribe to Battleground Live. If, if you're watching on my Rumble page and you're watching Battleground Live from there, make your way over to Red Voice Media, subscribe to their Rumble channel as well, because they've got a great lineup of conservative commentators over there, and they are really building something truly special. So I'm excited for everything that they're doing. I uh, also want to thank Deepwell and Cabot Guns, their founding sponsors of this program. Believe that when no one else did. Deepwell Services is a great American drilling company with locations all over the country. They're hiring like crazy and they're growing like crazy. So if you're looking for a job, they're hiring. They got to hire something like 60 people before the end of the year. And they're not just hiring people who are working on drilling sites. They're hiring people for office position, marketing, social media, uh, wellness people, community outreach, you name it. And if you're looking to protect yourself and your family with a great gun, Cabot Guns is the best in the world. Honestly, they're the best looking gun in the world. They're also the best shooting gun in the world. Uh, go check them out. But they are amazing, amazing handguns. They're Rolls Royce of 1911 pistols. But thank you both uh, uh, for sponsoring this program. Um, so much. I mean, look, we're going to talk about the the Bidenomics and the economy. Uh, we've got a great guest coming up uh, here shortly. We're going to talk about the GOP debate, do a quick retrospective on that, and then how Democrats are really doing everything that they can to kick Biden to the curb. Um, but so much of what we talked about in the lead up, in the live chat, in prep for the show, was just the economic pain that people were feeling. Um, uh, Darlene is 
Darlene uh, in the live chat was talking about the coming back from the grocery store and feeling the pain of that. Uh, people in the live chat were talking about how expensive it is leading into the wintertime to heat to heat their homes and how expensive it is in the summer to cool their homes. I mean, people are feeling the, eco the, the economic pain and the fallout from Bidenomics all over the country. And of course, this sh uh, the audience for this show is national. Uh, and we got somebody great to talk about that right, right off the top. His name is Michael Christian, and he is a, a heavy hitter with American alternative assets, and he just knows what he's talking about with regards to the economy. And, and Michael, let's bring Michael up, David, if he's there. Michael, it's great. First of all, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time and your expertise. Um, but Biden today was out there at the podium, um, and he was talking about how Wages are actually going up and household wealth has grown by 37 percent, which, of course, isn't true uh, because this year uh, real wages are down by 3.2 percent and middle class households have lost on average more than thirty three thousand dollars in real wealth in the past year alone. <laughs> so clearly Americans are feeling an unbelievable amount of economic pain. So what what do you make of all this and how could Americans weather the storm? Well, th first of all, thanks for having me on here. Uh, good, good to be here talking to your uh, your listeners. Um, well, it depends on where you're at. If you have a nest egg that you've set aside as your wealth, if you've accumulated savings, uh, you know, from our point of view, it's a good thing to put it into gold and silver right now. Uh, I'll be straightforward with you because they printed so many dollars in the last few years, mm. they've diluted the money supply. And the banks have been pushing out free money for a long time. They recently raised their rates. But for a long time, they're just, you know, when, when, if you were to borrow money from me and I had $100 and you needed $10, i would give you $10 and I'd have $90. So I have a little less money to spend. That doesn't work like that with the banks. They just print the money and give it to you. So they were printing all this money and pushing it out into the world, into the economy. And everybody was getting a false sense of how much money they had. Uh, but it's, it's all based on debt. So the debt level is at is, is at like $34 trillion. So if you have extra money, it's crazy. And the, the world debt is even more crazy. I mean, if you factor in like derivatives, with you know, which is uh, everything's just so over leveraged, you're talking about three quadrillion dollars. It's 20 times the world's GDP. So it's going to steal everyone's wealth by having this high inflation that where you, you have less money to buy the same thing. Uh, diluting the money supply, borrowless money printing. So the best thing to do if you have a nest egg that you don't need to live on, you saved up money, is to put it into gold because it maintains value. It holds your value. It'll go up in time. It'll it'll, it'll be able to buy you the same thing now as it will in five years. Uh, an ounce of gold 100 years ago could buy you exactly what it can buy you now. But it takes, it's 100 times more dollars. That's, you know, that is, that is, that's so fascinating to me because I talk to my parents all the time and just in the, just in, what a drastic difference economic policy can make with say someone's 401k. I mean, my parents have lost since Biden has been in office. I mean, I'm talking probably tens of thousands of dollars from their 401k alone. And I mean, people were talking in the live chat about how they are afraid to even look at what their 401k looks, what, what it looks like today and its performance. And so when you talk about having a nest egg, how do you, how does one even go about diversifying any sort of portfolio with gold and silver? It's a good question. Right now, according to people like Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, 
He was a, a right, Marine helicopter. Right. He, you know, he, this guy's been around. He was a Marine helicopter pilot in Vietnam, and he tells it like it is. And he said, if you're in a 401k, you're going to get crushed. You know, <clears throat> your 401k could become a, a 101k in the market that's we're facing a market crash by all the experts assessment could be like the Great Depression. I hate to be talking fear, but you have a choice in what you can do because most 401ks lost like 25% last year, literally. That's nothing mm -hmm. what's going to happen because barely anyone's talking about it, only the people who look at their statements. So you can roll a 401k over into a self-directed IRA. There's no tax consequences. There's no penalties. If you qualify, if you're above 59 and a half years old, and it's a present employer, you can roll it over. If you're above 59, doesn't matter what it was, if it's a present or, or whatever. If, you, if you're with a, if you're a 401k and you're with a company right now and you're above 59 and a half, let me clarify that. You can roll it over. If you're, if it's a past employer, you can roll it over. There's no tax consequences, no penalties, no fees, and you can have physical gold inside a and silver inside a 401k rather than be restricted to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, which are going to get take a huge hit. And they're just going to say to you, you know, hold on, it'll come back, and it may take 10 years. So we're at the precipice. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, you said we're at the precipice. I, I what? So when you say things are going to fall apart, I mean, I, I talk about this on the show all the time. And in fact, our our audience, I mean, it's not necessarily about fear and doom and gloom to us, but just about being prepared about what's coming and that our politicians. And by the way, you know, Biden's in office now, but Republicans have been just as guilty uh, with regards to monetary supply and printing money and diluting the power of the dollar. Um, so this is a bipartisan problem where Washington is addicted to spending. You said you see something that could be just as bad, if not worse than the Great Depression. What do you think the catalyst for all of that is? Is it just our debt and deficit that you're saying that the, that could capsize the ship? Debt is the problem, is the root of all the problems, is debt. You know, we can't, you can't just continuously give free, you know, for a long time, there was no interest rates. They gave free money out. Corporate executives, if you're talking about the stock market, get paid on the price of their stock. So they were taking free money and buying their own stock and pumping up the price, three, 400%, while earnings only went up 25%. That's a big gap. That's called the price to earnings ratio. They call it the PE ratio. Way out of line. You know, so that's going to come down. It's a very overvalued market. You have guys like Warren Buffett who pulled like, you know, $32 billion out of the stock market to avoid losing all that, you know, sitting on the sidelines. Uh, but you can actually move it into gold and silver, which is poised to, to grow substantially. You know, right now, there's, we're at an inflection point where we're seeing the signs. We have $1 trillion in credit card debt. You know, last week, FDIC took over Citizens Bank in Iowa. Uh, you got inventory oh. a couple of well, I was trying to get a, a car. I was looking at a car, you know, and there was no cars. Remember, it was hard to get a car. Now the inventory yes. is huge. You know, Fiat, as an example, just one car. They have 357 locations nationwide. They've sold so far this year 280 cars. That means there's locations that haven't sold a car. The stockpiles, it's a big sign when the stockpiles are rolling. You know, people are, uh, you know, 90% uh, of mortgages are below 5%. Uh, a bunch of them are below 4%, many of them below 2%. So nobody could sell their home. Why would they sell their home and move and take on a 7% mortgage? So people are stuck. These are signs. Credit cards, as I said, banks are tightening. 
They're tightening their lending right now. 700 banks are now exceeding the FDIC's guidance on the concentration of commercial real estate loans. So if there's a real estate problem, you're going to see a big banking crisis. And, and you know, not to mention the FDIC fund. So you're you're who knows, you know, if they really have what they say they have to protect your savings. So if you're sitting on savings, that's that's your nest egg beyond what you need to live on. Very smart to move that into gold and silver. One, it's liquid. You could sell it anytime you want, but it holds value. And it's tend to go, it's 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 poised to go way up in price over the next five years or so. You're in the stock market, like you're saying, 401k. That can roll into a gold IRA, gold silver IRA, without any tax consequences, penalties, or fees to do so. And it's a very smart thing to do to move asset classes before this whole thing takes place, which is all the signs are pointing in that direction. You know, it seems come part and parcel. When we talk about this shot uh, often on the show as well about the dangers of a digital dollar and and what that means, not just for our economy, but also our freedom and the dangers of potential dangers of tying a digital dollar to a social credit score. And of course, when you look at all this diversity, equity, inclusion stuff, I mean, clearly they're using that to give companies scores. Those scores will be given grades. And if you, if your social credit score isn't high enough, people will get punished. I mean, talk to me, is that, do you see that as being a part of any sort of potential economic decline or people in government using the decline to say, well, look at, look at how bad things are. We got to go to a digital dollar now. All the above, really. The digital dollar, not only is it, is, is it dangerous for surveillance aspects, they could see what you're doing. They don't like what you tweeted. They could turn your money off. You know, if you don't have a social credit score that, that they approve of, maybe you can't get a, a, an airplane flight, you know, a ticket somewhere. But, not, but the real danger economically is they can steal your wealth because they can create negative interest rates. And there's no lag time like now when the Fed makes policy, there's a year, year and a half till you feel it in your, in your wallet. Negative interest rates on a digital currency in two seconds, it'll cost you money to have money. You'll be paying money. So it'll force you to spend your money. And basically, it steals your principal. So now you have inflation, which they say could be, you know, you could refer to it as taxation without legislation. Costs you money much more to go to the grocery store, and you get less for what you paid for. So it's it, you start to feel it. Costs more money at the gas station, and incidentally, oil could be going, gas could be going up in prices with this war in the Middle East, and gold moves in tandem with oil. It's another reason that gold's poised to go up. But you have the digital currency uh, has a lot of you know. It's another way to steal your wealth. It's one thing in the inflation to keep pace with that dollar devaluation dilutes your purchasing power. Trillions of dollars were printed and pumped into the economy. Makes your dollar worth less and less. Digital digital currency could steal more of your wealth. There's a grand plan, perhaps, for stealing everyone's wealth. And uh, the one way to keep it is to hold gold. If you buy it with liquid funds or cash, our company, we don't send you a tax form. You liquidate it with us. We don't need your Social Security number. And it's a great way to pass on family wealth because it doesn't need to go through an attorney's hands either. Well, I got to ask, I got to ask you, Michael, how did you get into all of this? I mean, first of all, two part question. How did you get into all of this and how does America get ourselves out of this? Because it seems like debt and deficit issues. Obviously, we talked about I think it's a national security threat. Eventually, the ship is going to capsize. But what's what's the pathway forward? So two part question. Well, the pathway forward, if you have a nest egg, 
that you're concerned about, you know, you got to put into physical assets. You're talking about real estate, gold, silver, or a, an oil well that's producing. The simplest thing to do is get gold, gold and silver, because you can you can easily hold it. And if you have it in your hand, you can put it in your safe, unsafe, store it. If you move over a, a 401k or an IRA, you know you have gold in your retirement account. It's never lost value. Moving forward, I mean, it's we could be going into a period where we're going to have uh, pain. You know, and I don't know, you know, what the best remedy for that is. I just know that historically speaking. Hard times are preceded by times of fake abundance. And that's what we've been through up until the last bit of time. You know, it, it happens fast. Money can dry up and disappear in the blink of an eye. You know, it's it's like uh, Hemingway said, you know, when you go bankrupt, it starts slowly and then it happens real fast. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, all of this is all of this is is terrifying. And I, frankly, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Biden in the White House, who can it really seems like, you know, obviously don't want to put you on the spot politically, but, you know, he, it just really seems like he can barely string together a coherent sentence. I don't have a warm and fuzzy that he understands monetary supply or the way the basic way that a free market economy works or or the bedrock principles that have made America great. I mean, you talked about it being a grand agenda. And, and I talk about Joe Biden. I say, like, if you were an this is half in jest, but also kind of serious. But if, if you were trying to destroy the country in four years or, or less and, and topple our economy, what exactly would you be doing differently than Joe Biden right now? Well, our, it's a it's a debt problem. I mean, we're spending like drunken sailors, you know, and uh, both both parties have been have raised the debt. So you're right when you say absolutely, early, you know, we the, the whole artificial boom is built on debt. You know, so at some point, you know, the loans need to re be repaid. So, you know, what they did for a long time is they lower the interest rates. The big problem is the banks. The banking is is at the root of it all because they do the they our Fed creates the monetary policy. You know, in my opinion, that's that's the big problem. And uh, you know, one of my mentors in in um, Switzerland said he recommends to buy as much gold as you can afford, and when you're done, buy more. Uh, right. <laughs> It'll outperform moving forward just about anything else you can you can have put your money into. And if you're holding dollars that you've saved that you don't need to live on to pay for bills, that's like having a bucket of sand with a hole in the back, you know, because you're just losing purchasing power every day. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, really. And the economic pain that people are feeling is very, very real and feel it every single day you go to the grocery store. Clearly, people have a sense, a dark sense of, of what the future is going to hold. And, you know, I, I think a, a bright spot, if there is a bright spot to be had, is what is what you and American Alternative Assets are offering and how to maybe shore up people's portfolios. So every time they open up their 401k, maybe it isn't as bad, but but Michael, uh, we're so glad to have you here. You're welcome back to talk about the economy and pathway forward anytime you want, uh, Michael. But thanks for joining us, Michael. Really great. Uh, lucky to have you today. I appreciate having me. I'll just say our company will give away for free a wealth protection guide. You can read about it and we'll educate you. That's the number one thing we do. So, you know, people, it's better to get your, not put your head in the sand and see what's what your options are, because there are some good options. So thanks well, for having me. You're welcome, Michael. Like I said, anytime you want to come back on, you're welcome to be here, man. Uh, and thank you. And you heard the guy. Like, get smart on, on some what options that you have. But uh, anyways, thanks, Michael. We'll see you soon.
Thank you. All right. Take care. Uh, yeah. I, look, I, we talked about it's it's interesting that we were talking about the economy uh, prior to to the show and people really struggling. Uh, and I talked about with Michael how I mean, geez, what's the pathway out of this? You know, a strong economy is necessary for a strong military. Right. So if you're going to weaken our military, you'd weaken the economy first because a strong economy predisposes a strong military. So when you look at all the things that Joe Biden is doing, whether he's printing cash with something called the Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, as we all know, if a bill is named a certain way, just expect it to do the exact opposite. (laughs) So Inflation Reduction Act uh, did not reduce inflation. It jacked it all the way up through the roof. And as you hear Biden talking about, oh, inflation is easing and Biden administration lackeys, along with his mainstream media, lackeys they're talking about inflation is easing and getting better well yeah overall inflation is something like it's 16 percent. so if it goes down to 14 percent, they're saying that it's easing but the reality is that situation is still horrible for the american people and as i taught commander melanie when she goes to the grocery store a hundred dollars buys less every single month and if you're a family, we talk about, you know, Parnell's platoon and you're all a part of Parnell's platoon, but I've got five kids that we're feeding in this house. Every time we go to the grocery store, it hurts. And so, you know, I talked about uh, Battleground Live and trying to improve this show. Part of it's going to be bringing amazing, knowledgeable guests on like Michael and, of course, Savage Rich Bears, who does the polling. Michael's a strong economic guy, finance guy. We just want to make sure that you all are prepared for what's coming. You know, whether it's from an election standpoint, from a polling standpoint, from an economic standpoint. So we're grateful that he was able to give us some of of his time. Um, But let me pivot real quickly to uh, a GOP debate recap. Um, Look, I watched the debate and then I also watched the Trump rally. Uh, I'll tell you, I as I was thinking about the debate, very little stood out to me. The one person who did stand out to me was Vivek Ramaswamy and I think the reason is, is that he was just filled with passion and fire about everything that he said. Now, look, I am very, very skeptical of who he is, where he's been. Is he a part of the World Economic Forum or not? Is he a a former Obama guy? Like, I don't know. I don't have answers to any of those questions. I'm very, very skeptical. And, And the reason why I'm very skeptical is I generally speaking don't like any politician. But Vivek last night stood out to me. And, and, you know, I talk all the time about the importance of politicians. What's very, very important for me is politicians understanding what time it is. They see the cultural moment. They see the weaponization of our federal government. They see how the American people are struggling. Maybe they are having problems putting food on the table for their families. Maybe they are living paycheck to paycheck, and they are fired up about the first instinct of most American politicians is to do for other nations as opposed to taking care of America first. And I have to say, this is what I love and appreciate about Trump. And 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 again, like, Everybody that's watching this show, you all know I'm a Trump guy. You know, Uh, I'm friends with Don and Eric. Um, President Trump himself has been great to me. He's been loyal to me. That man stuck with me through some of the worst times of my life. And that is not an overstatement. And to me, loyalty matters. 
you know, I'm not going to uh, abandon President Trump like some of these other politicians have done when he's done a lot for me and not just him, Don and Eric also, you know, and you measure the quality of relationship that you have with someone, not when times are great, because when times are great, everybody wants to be your friend. It's when times aren't so great that really matter. And what so interesting about this is that I, t- I watched this interview with Trump uh, from a long time ago where he was talking about how he was really struggling with his finances and how he lost everything. And he was, I think he was talking to Larry King about this or something. And he was saying, or maybe it was even Roger Ailes. Uh, I think he did some fascinating interview way back in the day. He's talking about when he lost everything and he was no, no longer useful to people or seen as somebody who could do stuff for them. Not only did people abandon him, but people were very, very quick to stab him in the back while he was down and out. And I have to tell you, I've had since I've been involved in politics, when I ran for Senate, I had a very, very similar experience. And Donald Trump, not only did he not abandon me, he doubled down his support of me. And, you know, I I haven't talked about this before, but when I was going through the worst of it, and I mean, you know, if anybody paid attention to my Senate race and you know exactly what I'm talking about, but when I was going through the worst of it, you know, I had Donald Trump called me and spoke to Donald Trump about it. And he was supportive of me. He cared enough to actually pick up the phone, president of the United States, pick up the phone and call me and discuss it. And I'm sorry, that matters to me. You know, I don't care what the media says about the guy. You know, I, I don't care that he maybe doesn't always say the right thing on Twitter. could care less about that. He's a good man. His son, his family are good people. And, and you know, compare the Trump family to the Biden family. And there's no comparison. I mean, if Don Jr. was doing the same, doing some of the things that Hunter Biden was doing. Oh, my God. Absolutely ridiculous. But talk about not liking politicians. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is not one. And to me, to me, he was the only standout. And and what stood out to me the most was his opening statement. OK, this was the moment of the night uh, for the entire debate for me. And it came with Vivek Ramaswamy's opening statement. So if we've got that video, let's go ahead and roll the tape. Why would you uh, why should you be the nominee and not the former president? I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Rogers. This is how we get our country back. We need a count. 
accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story. Mr. Ramaswamy, and they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Accountability. Let me turn to That's Governor, Governor Christie. Okay. That, look, give credit where credit's due. And Vivek Ramaswamy is getting the slow clap on that one. I'm sorry, man. Listen, that was his opening statement. Okay. And he got, he almost, look, it's hard to improve on that, but his entire debate, he was on fire with that level of passion. Now, I, the title of the episode is that Trump won the debate and he wasn't even there. I believe that because at the end of the day, all we're really doing with these debates is reshuffling the undercard. Like these candidates are taking from one another. Like if Haley has a good week, she might take from DeSantis. DeSantis, if Vivek has a good week, he might take from Haley. Trump has 50, 60 percent. I mean, that ain't changing. So these debates are kind of irrelevant. But it's interesting to me to watch how these candidates have evolved over time. Vivek has been relatively consistent. He's an outsider in almost every way. He's not even really involved in politics, wasn't involved in politics prior to running for president. Um, But this statement tackles a lot of things that are really, really important to me. And remember what I said about the importance of a candidate recognizing what time it is. It's almost like he watches this show. (laughs) You know, he's talking about why, as Republicans, the RNC, Ronna McDaniel and staff in the 168 who nominate her. Why are we letting Kristen Welker and Lester Holt? I mean, I've talked about this on the show. You've all watched it. Why are we letting them moderate a debate? They would never let Steve Bannon do it. I'm tired of the Republican Party you know, playing by the Democrat rules, using their language, using their moderators, trying to ingratiate themselves with the media. The insanity has to stop. And then Vivek also, in very clear terms, called for Ronna McDaniel to resign. And I'll get into that in a second, but look, part of leadership is calling it like it is. This is what people appreciate about President Trump. Does it mean you're always going to agree with the things that he says or even like the things that he says? No, but at a very minimum, people get a sense from President Trump, love him or hate him, that he means what he says. And again, I've said this over and over again. The essence of governing is starting from right there. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you've got to mean what you say. And the goal is in a perfect functioning republic where all things are working perfectly, the goal is Democrat, Republican, any political party meets in the middle, compromises and does what's best for the American people. They do what's best for America. And the media, specifically, over the last 15 years, they've gotten really bad in the last seven or so. The media has been one of the most egregious def- uh, offenders of, of being essentially traitors to America. I mean, look, He went after the media and the media itself, of course, circled their wagons around the anchors. Oh, shouldn't attack the the moderators. They should debate one another. And of course, Frank Luntz, who somehow ends up at House Republican retreats and advises the leadership of the Republican Party still to this day. I don't know why that's the case. It's baffling because almost everything that he says do the opposite. Like any advice or counsel that he gives you, do the opposite. 
I mean, he he put a tweet out there the other day about Ronnie McDaniel being a superstar and the secret weapon of the Republican Party. I mean, I'm sorry. Like again, we'll get into Ronnie McDaniel's record in a second. Uh, but uh, come on, really? Especially you say that on the day after an election that doesn't quite go the Republicans' way. Uh, but so Vivek goes after the media and and calls them out for the Russia collusion hoax. But here's the deal. People were mad at him for doing that. I, I would say this. He didn't go far enough. Do you want to know why? The, check out this story of uh, it was it was it was broken by I can't remember Noah. I think Noah Pollock um, and Honest. Yeah, no, Noah Pollock. Like, check that out and read this. Photographers working for the AP, CNN, New York Times, Reuters were embedded with Hamas on 10-7 and accompanied the terrorist group into Israel. They knew the attack was coming and they participated in it. Let's go to this this next article. If we've got a screenshot of that, the title of the article is Netanyahu slams journalists tied to Hamas as CNN cuts ties with photographer seen getting kiss from terrorist group leader. This is an article from the New York. <laughs> Look at that. This is a, a CNN guy, a CNN photographer is getting a kiss from the mastermind who planned the massacre. And I mean, come on. And then also this, this image from this Washington Post columnist. Again, the scorn that you have for the media isn't nearly bad enough. But check this tweet image out. Like, I think we've got it somewhere, but I'll read it to you if it's hard to read. It says, I understand Israel's anger, but it's morally wrong and a political mistake to target journalists who rush to cover a story. Possibly some of them are complicit. I don't know. But Israel should give them the benefit of the doubt. Are you kidding me? Because Israel basically said, hey, we're going after the journalists and journalists and photographers who helped create this, who helped plan and execute this massacre on our country. I mean, listen, if you're a journalist, <laughs> you're reporting the, the, the news or taking pictures. So you mean to tell me that you were with Hamas while they were cutting babies out of the wombs of mothers? or taking infants and putting them in ovens and burning them alive? You were there taking pictures as Hamas was raping little girls in front of their sisters, their moms, and their dads? You were there. You are part of it. You are guilty. And not only should Israel go after you, they should lock you up and throw away the key for the rest of your life. You are complicit in this great evil. You did nothing to stop it. It wasn't about reporting. Hell, that CNN image of that 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 person getting a kiss from the Hamas terrorist. That dude. There are pictures of that dude running around carrying a grenade. These people were part of it. If they weren't part of it, Hamas would have killed them. I mean, I'm sorry. So Vivek going after the media for the Russia collusion hoax. The Russia collusion hoax was bad, horrible. Terrible election interference. And I also liked how Vivek went after the media for rigging the election because they did. And they're trying to do it again in 2024. But your scorn for the media. And, and again, Vivek called this out, but your scorn for the media is not. I, I If you just kind of don't like them, it's not nearly bad enough because these people uh, they hate America. And frankly, I, I think that they're the scum of the earth. Um, it, so I want to I want to get to uh, Ronna McDaniel here for a second. Um, 
I, I don't know Ronna McDaniel. And if you watch the show, you know, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And yes, I see the criticism <laughs> from people when you say, well, Sean, you're saying this person's a nice guy, but he doesn't sound like a very nice guy. I'm just not somebody that likes to burn bridges, but I do think it's important to call it like it is. Uh, you heard Vivek Ramaswamy during the debate call out Ronna McDaniel and say that the GOP has established a culture of losing. Hmm, where have we heard that before? I think it was me that caused the. I'm t- sick and tired of the uh, the GOP being the party of gentlemen losers. I mean, it, it's true. Our party has gotten all too accustomed to losing, preferring instead for mainstream political types to ingratiate themselves with the mer- uh, with the media and try to be a part of the cool kids club. But anyway, Ronna McDaniel did an interview with Katie Pavlich after the debate. Uh, where she was asked about this very exchange between Vivek and the moderators. Let's go ahead and roll this tape. Watch this. There were allegations uh, that were thrown on the stage by a number, one of the candidates in particular, arguing that the Republican Party has a culture of losing. Specifically, Vivek Ramaswamy called for you to resign. Would you like to respond to that? I'm going to focus on beating Joe Biden. I, I wish that's what all the candidates did. I'm not running for president. I'm very proud of the fact that under my tenure, we won back the House. We now are getting investigations into the Bidens. I also, as Michigan chair for the first time in 30 years, won a state that Democrats hadn't been in. I'm very proud of the fact that we're going to have staff in 15 states heading into 2024. But, you know, I'll leave other people to attack Republicans. I'm going to focus on Democrats. I will say this. We can't attack each other and win. We need all of us. So if you're taking time to attack another Republican, especially when you're not even running against, maybe let's think about how we talk about the border, fentanyl, crime, Joe Biden, and the thing that things that Americans want to hear about because they're really hurting. So looking at the road ahead, there's another debate in December. Okay, um, it's a primary. It is a pri- Republicans are going to attack one another in a primary, first of all. And second of all, she ta- I mean, Ron is talking about taking back the House. But the reality is, since Ronna McDaniel took over the GOP in 2017, Republicans have lost eight governor's races, three Senate seats, 19 House seats, and one presidential race that was rigged and stolen. And since that time, she has still been in charge of the RNC. And let's talk about a state like Pennsylvania, or maybe you all live in a swing state. I know that there's the RNC bank the vote initiative right now where they're trying to get Republicans to early vote. But the reality is, is the Republican Party has no infrastructure in Pennsylvania to chase down ballots, to find low propensity voters, to Encourage those low propensity voters to opt into receiving a mail-in ballot to make sure that you can track them on a spreadsheet every single cycle, including the off-cycle elections, and make sure that they get out the vote. Why is that important? Because Republican voter turnout in in this last cycle, in 2023, the election that just happened, was something like 40%. That's that's terrible. I think uh the like the Supreme Court. Justice uh, or uh, a woman who was running, Caroline Serralucho, who was running for Supreme Court. I think she got something like 1.5 million votes. But I think Oz got in the cycle before, Oz got 2.5 million votes. So if 200,000 of those, you know, if 200,000 more people show up, 
right? And we and the RNC is doing a job, uh, doing a great job at finding low propensity voters. What I mean by low propensity voters are people who just don't vote in every election cycle. They're out there and there are tens of thousands of them. Rich Barris and I talk about this all the time. Find who those people are, automatically opt them in, get their address, get a ballot to them, make sure they turn out all the time. The Democrats are doing that and they have a machine to do it. But my point is, is that if we were doing that and we had 200,000, 300,000 more people voting, whether it's early voting, low propensity people voting in this last cycle, we would have probably won that statewide race. That's not the job of a candidate to do. If you're running for office, this is not your job. Your job is to get a message out. Your job is to raise enough money to get your message out, put yourself up on television, send out mailers, do everything you can to reach voters, to sway them. It's the Republican National Committee's job to create programs to bank voters, to turn out low propensity voters. Having She talked about having staff in 15 states. Well, like, look, that's kind of basic. That's kind of like your entire job. And if you're not doing a good job and, and, and presidential candidates from the stage are calling you out to resign, then maybe it's time to do a self-audit and think about whether or not you're in the best role uh, as leading the RNC going into one of the most important election cycles of our entire lives. Not only that, we're we're dealing with a Democrat party that has a kick-ass system in place for tracking their people with mail-in ballots and turning those ballots in and getting their people out. So and talk about attacking Republicans. Um, you got to check out this. I mean, I got nothing but highlights of Vivek and stuff because he was the only one really worth reporting on. I, I, I'm telling you, Trump obviously won overall and is smart not to do these debates. But Vivek is the only one that's going to be resonating with our base. The rest of these people, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, barely got any mentions uh, during the actual debate itself. They, none of these people had any sort of passion when they were talking. Uh, and again, that's what I'm looking for. The number one quality that our base wants is a, is a fighter. We want people who are going to lock horns with the radical left and not cede one inch of ground to them. We want people that are not worried about making the media angry. We want people that stand up and fight for this country because the Democrats are pulling it apart brick by brick. So if that's what we want, we want people who are on the debate stage with fire and passion. And that's what Vivek had. Love him or hate him. Yes, I'm skeptical of him. Do I fully trust him? Of course not. But he brought the fire last night. Check out this exchange. The fact of the matter is the Republican Party is not that much better. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the U.N. Bankrupt or in debt is, was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. That's the choice we face. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first? Or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case, we've got two of them on stage Mr. Right Mr. thank you. Senator, uh, Senator. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I used the term savage for Rich Barris, but that is savage. And did you notice there at the end, he said, you know, do you want Dick Cheney and three inch heels? Because we've got two of them on the stage. <laughs> he wasn't just talking about Nikki Haley. He was also talking about Ron DeSantis as well. But again, that is a that's a memorable moment. That's what's going to stick in people's minds. And he's right. 
People are tired of the revolving door in Washington where members of Congress go on boards of these global companies, make millions of dollars, and then they use their connections in Washington to influence policy that's not in the best interest of the American people. We all despise when someone like Dianne Feinstein goes into Washington worth $90,000 and comes out of Washington worth $900 million. Obviously, there's something that's broken. I mean, you're not making, you're not going to be, Nancy Pelosi is another one. You're not going to be worth $200 million, making 174 grand a year, 200 grand a year as a Speaker of the House. You're not. There's something shady going on. And of course, Nikki Haley's getting in on the action as well. And so she's on the boards of, the, of all of these military industrial companies like Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Boeing who all compete for Department of Defense contracts. And while simultaneously, she's on the board doing all this stuff. So she's 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 making money, right, just for the company, but also for herself. And these companies make money anytime their technology is used on the battlefield. So it makes one wonder, is this really why she holds the foreign policy views that she does? When she talks about escalating a conflict in Ukraine or perhaps bombing Iran or going to war in forever wars all around the world. Is she really doing that because it's good for her company's bottom line and good for her own savings account? I mean, I may, may I mean, I, yeah, politicians do this stuff all the time. I'm not saying that she's, she is explicitly doing that, but it kind of makes you wonder if her views are legitimate. Does it not? Especially when you look at what Joe Biden has done uh, during his time in in the White House or even prior during his time as as vice president, selling his influence to to other countries that don't like us. Whether it's China, whether it's Russian oligarchs or Russian mayor or Ukraine. I mean, I, I personally think that what's happening in Ukraine is one large money laundering operation. You know, who knows where that money's going? Can we track it? No idea. I mean, why are we paying Ukrainian bureaucrats pensions with American Social Security dollars? I don't know. None of it makes any sense. But what I do know is that the entire Biden family crime syndicate had an incestuous relationship with some very corrupt people there. And now all of a sudden we're embroiled in a war with Russia in Ukraine. And so Nikki Haley really is is no different. She's just this is what I'm saying. I want politicians that are outsiders. I want politicians to have fire in their belly. I'm tired of the same old, same old. I just am. Um, all right. So you got to check out this exchange again with Nikki Haley uh, to to Vivek. And I'll set it up by saying in the last debate, uh, Nikki Haley was very, very critical of Vivek for using TikTok. Vivek's position is that he's using TikTok to reach younger voters because that's where younger voters are. And his job is to bring them on board the Republican Party with a solid message. What Nikki Haley is saying is that TikTok is Chinese spyware and ultimately a national security threat because China and the Chinese uh, uh, the Chinese Communist Party shapes the algorithm to make sure that our kids are learning about all this insane, radical communist crap. And that gets into the minds of our children and shapes the future generation. If it's, it's really a type of, of fifth dimensional warfare. Uh, and so, you know, she's right. Vivek is also right. Uh, but Vivek, watch what Vivek said to her about that exchange in this debate last night and listen to Nikki Haley's response. Check it out. 
Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy scum. answer is actually... Oh. Oh, my God. She just straight up calls him scum. I mean, I look, he didn't attack her daughter. I understand why she's upset, but he didn't attack your daughter. She's a grown woman. She's, you, you know, I, just saying, I don't think Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley didn't call Vivek scum because he was he was attacking her grown-up daughter. He wasn't. And she's an adult. She was calling him scum because Vivek called out her hypocrisy. I know that's a hot take, but it's one that I stand by. Um, okay. Vivek, again, I'm, I know I'm all, I'm, I'm, Vivek was the only standout to me. And that should tell you something. It should tell you how poor the quality of candidates that we have in, the, in this undercard debate really are how irrelevant they are. I mean, but Vivek just dominated them all last night. Uh, so he ended watch how Vivek ended the, the debate again, solid on brand on message for, for our base going to resonate with GOP voters like crazy. Go ahead and check this out. I also want to close with one message to the Democrat party. End this farce that Joe Biden is going to be your nominee. We know he's not even the president of the United States. He's a puppet for the managerial class. So have the guts to step up and be honest about who you're actually going to put up so we can have an honest debate. Biden should step aside, end his candidacy now, so we can see whether it's Newsom or Michelle Obama or whoever else. All right, Just Mr. tell us the truth so we can have the an honest debate. Up. He's, again, 100% right. How much time on this show do we talk about that Biden's not going to be the guy. Now, Biden will say that he's committed to running and blah, 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 blah. Um, obviously, you know, I've got sources that are close to that work in and around the White House that and I've told you this before. But for people who are watching on Red Voice that might maybe aren't familiar with this, you know, there are people that are around Biden saying that he is still deciding, even though publicly he's saying he's going to run, that he is still deciding whether or not he can handle another run. And he's not going to make an announcement at all until the very last second to give somebody like Kamala Harris or whoever the heir apparent is going to be to give that person the time to just step into this infrastructure that he's already created right because as i've mentioned many times and again this is for people who maybe are new to the show in the trenches with us or are watching from red voice uh because you know original gangster members of parnell's platoon are tracking this stuff but the reality is you can't make a last minute decision to run for president you've got to hire staff you've got to have a fundraising operation that staff has to be in all 50 states I mean, you've got to have a, a, a plan to go after super delegates. I mean, just an enormous amount of infrastructure. You got to get signatures to get on the ballot. I mean, in, in all 50 states, not just one. So it's, it just needed immense operation. And candidates that would challenge Joe Biden can't do that at the last minute. So Vivek, again, you know, when you talk about political instincts, one of the things that blows me away about politicians in general and I'm talking specifically about Vivek and his ability. To, he's got a strong political in instinct. Again, I don't know where he comes from. I, 
he hasn't been a part of the Republican Party for that long. So is street cred. He needs more street cred with me in order for me to fully trust him. But he's got solid political instincts. It's amazing to me, ladies and gentlemen, it's amazing to me how many career politicians or people that are, you know, somehow managed to win somebody like Ron DeSantis just have terrible political instincts. And that's ultimately why they need to pay consultants to help them. Because consultants are supposed to be the political experts. Consultants are the ones that are supposed to be in sync with the base. Consultants are the ones that, you know, poll test messaging and pass that along to candidates. So, but really, consultants are the advisors. And so the reason why so many of these candidates on that stage last night felt like robots is because they're surrounded by consultants that tell them what to say. So it doesn't feel authentic. The, the the lines and their positions and the policy that they advocate for, they oftentimes feel like robots. They feel like there's no passion behind it. It's because they're memorizing lines given to them by consultants that might poll test well. And, and I, I got to tell you, you know, it doesn't seem like Vivek needs a consultant to tell him what exactly the base is feeling. And it's not just based on his performance last night in the debate. It, you, you know, uh, some of these January 6th trials, who was out there at the protests protesting for their release? Vivek. He was there personally. I'm sorry. But half of leadership is just showing up in the right places at the right time and in the, say, in the military in the right uniform. And so, you know, and this is what Trump's great gift is, is that, man, he just understands exactly where his base is, where our base is. He understands what it means to be America first. He understands what it means to put America first. Do you? People don't realize this, but, you know, the Democrats get all the credit for, oh, having all the union, all the government unions and stuff like that. But the reality is the Democrats crush union jobs, right? Putting people, especially the building trades. And that's who I'm talking about. Who cares about government unions? They're all communists. But the building trades are the people that they want to work for a living. They just want a job. You know, Trump's first meeting in the White House was with them. And so when Trump talks about the importance of putting America first and, and and putting the American people first and bringing American manufacturing back to this country so that we manufacture things in this country. He means it. I mean, you look at his tariffs uh, on China. I was r- running for Congress and talking to business leaders all over Western Pennsylvania who you know, were global companies, whether they were in defense or manufacturing or steel, whatever. Their position on the Trump tariffs will like, hey, look, it kind of hurts us in the short term, but in the long term, it puts China in their place and is ultimately a good thing for not just our company, but our country. These business leaders were both Democrats and Republicans. And so Trump's ability, he has an uncanny ability to to understand where the base is and, and understand exactly what's best for our country. And you look at the debate last night and all these robotic characters, of course, with Vivek being a notable exception, Trump at the exact same time of the debate did a rally in Miami in which he got over 10,000 people there. 10,000 people a year before the presidential election with freaking seven or eight other primary candidates. I mean, it's unheard of. 
folks. It's unheard of. And of course, he also had Roseanne Barr come out and give a big speech that Trump isn't not only does he understand his base, he understands how to be a great showman as well. And you you look at that rally last night and the amount of enthusiasm that's starting to galvanize around him. Really, I don't think the, the enthusiasm has ever left. I think it's building. And it's, we're a year out before the election and he has 10,000 people there. These are people that believe in this country, that see President Trump as the front runner, they're not going to be separated from him in any way. And then you look at the debate, the ratings on that debate, I mean, they were revised down once and I think revised down again twice. I think the ratings were an abysmal 4.9 million viewers, 4.9 million viewers for the Republican debate last night on NBC, on NBC. That those ratings are terrible, terrible, terrible. I guarantee you the ratings for the Trump rally, if it were carried on national TV, would be twice that, at least twice that. And it's because Trump is the only voice on the Republican side that matters, that's relevant. He's at the center of every single story. And that's why Trump is inevitable when it comes to being the nominee. And I saw this clip of DeSantis. I got to play it before we roll out, um, before we wrap the show. Um, but this clip, I mean, as, De- as just DeSantis' campaign gets more desperate and he falls in the polls more, he he does things that I think he'll never be able to recover from. He, I said a while ago that he still has time to salvage his legacy and say, look, look at all these weaponized prosecutions. I don't care about running for president. I'm putting my country first because what they're doing to President Trump, they're going to do to the rest of us. He had a shot to save it. Every day that goes by that he does this stuff, it gets more and more impossible. Go ahead and roll this tape and check this when out. When he says he endorses, and somehow that means, if, if his endorsement was so important, why have Republicans been losing so many of these races where he's endorsed? We have fewer governors than when he got elected president, fewer U.S. senators, fewer U.S. House members. Um, and here in Florida, a lot of what we did to really put the state uh, and separate our state from many other states during COVID, we were done where people in his administration were attacking me, Donnie mm-hmm. Fauci attacking me for having kids in school, for having restaurants and the gyms and all that open. And that really helped the state take off. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure, you know, what he's saying about any of that. But uh, Dude, uh, governor, you are governor of Florida because of President Trump's endorsement. I'm telling you, folks, this kind of stuff rubs Americans the wrong way. Same thing is true for, uh, I think, governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds. I mean, you loved hanging out with President Trump when he was president and had all the power and you benefited from his endorsement and you were swept into power in Iowa. And you, how do you repay President Trump by stabbing him in the back and, and not only endorsing DeSantis, but attacking him on air? Now, I get it. It's a primary, but at least show some gratitude for the man who, who puts you in office. And to say that his endorsement doesn't mean anything when the only reason you are in office is because of his endorsement is just, it's disappointing, Governor DeSantis. And quite frankly, it's its sickening to me. I, I don't like it. I don't, this is why I absolutely loathe politicians. You know, there's, I think, I can't, Truman said, if you, if you want to get a friend in politics in Washington, D.C., get a dog. Oh my God, 
not to use the Lord's name in, in vain, but he was right. <laughs> so I want to thank you all for watching for this hour. Uh, we got another amazing show for you tomorrow. Again, if you're watching from Red Voice Media, make your way over here to Battleground Live. Subscribe to this show. We are building some great stuff here. If you're watching Battleground Live on my Rumble channel, make your way over to Red Voice Media and subscribe to them. Up next, we got Drew Berquist, who is one hell of a of of a of independent conservative voice. His show is from six to nine. Go watch him, check him out. You'll like him. Uh, and as always, uh, subscribe to this show, like this video as well. Don't forget to like this video. That's very very important. Rumble notices that stuff. But as usual. Uh, come to the end of the show, but God bless you all. Thank you for being in the trenches with me. I will see you tomorrow night at 5 p.m. God bless you all, and God bless this amazing country that we call home. Good night. See you tomorrow.